This is Leah Jones, Director of Financial Planning at Hightower Bethesda. Thanks for joining me today as I explore topics that I hope arm you with the ability to make smart financial decisions. Today, we are going to be doing our Women Business Owner Series, and our guest is Sarah Jamshidi. She is the president and managing partner of SpeedShift Advisors, but she really has a colorful and diverse history as a serial business owner. Starting early on, she took a break from pre-med studies to set up and run a family business. She then went on to be the CEO of the Chesapeake Innovation Center, which was an accelerator program based on innovation in homeland and national security. It was a turnaround project, which she was ultimately able to have emerge as a market leader in the space. And currently, she is president and managing partner of SpeedShift Advisory, an M&A advisory firm where she's already advised over 30 lower to middle market companies and technology startups. So operating in the DC metro area, to name a few, she's gained a lot of experience working with government contracting, IT, cloud, and health IT. As you can tell, Sarah embodies what a true business owner is, entrepreneurial, open to challenges, and thrives on innovation. So today, given her unique perspective as a woman and a serial entrepreneur, I want to talk a little about her experience and provide some perspective on being a business owner in the M&A space, which is also historically dominated by men. So to start with, can you tell us a little bit about what made you decide to go from employee to employer multiple times? Sure. So, um, and that's the advice I have to the entrepreneurs. First of all, great to be here. Thank you so much. And thank you for that wonderful intro. Exciting to be here and talk about this topic. So, uh, the reason why I wanted to start my own business is because, you know, as an investment banker, I would go into companies and, you know, come across CEOs and business owners that are looking at an exit and looking to and, and finding out that if they were to do things differently, let's say two years prior to that, things would have been different. They would have had more options potentially the company would be valued at a higher valuation point. And there were things that were fixable if you had the time. And now that you were being approached by buyers or you were sort of in the marketplace, you couldn't do that anymore. And so you had reduced um, your chances. Adding to the fact that 50% of M&A transactions Historically, statistics show that they fail. And then on top of that, with the, with the statistic that says only 7 to 10% of business owners are happy upon an exit, I definitely saw a gap in the marketplace. I thought that you could do things differently. And, and, and so that became my passion. It's like, I, I would like to go fix that. Now, I know it's, I'm, I'm one person, but I mean, mm -hmm. I think that a lot of people are coming to realize that. But what I wanted to do it was I wanted to build an M&A advisory and a growth sort of advisory firm that from ground up, it had that DNA in its nature. So not only focused on realizing value for our clients, but starting to work with them early on and helping them maximize their exit by planning for it well in advance. And that, you know, 
that was the challenge that I wanted to sort of um, take on. And I wanted to sort of get the word out and work with business owners on doing that. And so I wanted to build an organization that had that culture, that had that passion. And so it made sense to come out and do that on my own. Yeah. So it sounds like, and I think this is, is always kind of the impetus for starting a business is you identified a problem. So that was step one. There's a problem, but you were kind of on the other end of the problem at a, at a place where you couldn't really help them if they were ultimately not going to get the result that they wanted. So you wanted to get involved earlier on. Um, and then you got really passionate about an idea to solve it. Right. So I think that that is definitely a great reason to go from employee to employer. How did you get started, though? How did you make that transition? Because I think a lot of us can identify with identifying problems. Right. We probably identify them every single day. I don't know that we necessarily get passionate about resolving them. That's a different step. But um, how did you make that transition? Well, I mean, I think everything I have been doing uh, true, as you mentioned, I do have a, a interesting and varied sort of experience um, getting me to this point as a person um, with, you know, starting a family business, yeah. helping and you starting. You already had it in your roots, it seems right. like. Right, and yeah. running that. Um, and also, uh, as part of that process, seeing um, what effects a lack of planning can have. At some point, my father had health challenges, and that's why I stopped my studies to come and, and to run the business. And you know, had we had other plans, I probably would not have. And mm-hmm. so uh, the, from there, I mean, if I go back and try to dig deep, it's from those personal experiences that was like, there's got to be a better way about this. Having lived through this myself and then having seen, uh, you know, seeing uh, it being played out so many times, there's got to be like, look, this is something that is fixable, but it is something that you need to get the word out. Because today, if somebody starts a business without a business plan, you know, people look at it funny and they say, you know, you're not planning right. Mm -hmm. But do we look at business owners that don't have an exit plan or a succession plan in the same way? No. I argue it should be different. I think that business owners, whether you are fast growing or you're just starting, you have to have that exit in mind. And so for that reason, I wanted to go out and fix that. And and so I have been advising probably now close to 300 companies over the years across many industries and stages from startup all the way to late stage. And so, you know, I see that played out many times. And so for that reason, it was partially internally is something that I'm passionate about and trying to fix and try to move the needle on that. And it's something that I think it can totally be done. Um, So for that reason, I wanted to not only see a problem, but I wanted to take action to try to change it and then create strategies and services to be able to partner with business owners to tackle that. Yeah, well, I think you have a unique perspective because for for you to transition into business ownership, you already had the perspective of why businesses fail from the beginning. So you were able to start with a business plan and start with, you know, potentially like an exit uh, in mind. And so, you know, with that, 
you were able to probably transition earlier than or easier than maybe someone else. Cause I know if I think about that in my mind, I think, Oh my gosh, I would need this and that and this and that. I wouldn't even be focused on the, the bigger picture at the moment. I would probably be thinking about just Tactical. all the smaller yeah, details it would take to get it started. So um, definitely unique perspective there, but I'm sure that that has actually aided a lot in, in your success within each of these different business Well, let efforts. me add to that. I mean, I think you do need a passion. You do need a cause. You need to be something that, you know, uh, have something that excites you to get up in the morning to try to go tackle every day. Right. But let's face it, running a company is not easy. Starting a company is not easy. It's not made for everybody. It is challenging. You're going to question your own challenges. The first few times you get negative feedback. And so it, you know, you need to have something that drives you, something that focuses you and that you can continue to go after it day in and day, uh, you know, right. uh, after the next, regardless of, you know, uh, bumps and bruises you may have along the What's way. What's being thrown, yeah. And let's talk a little bit about that. Can you tell us a little bit about challenges that you faced as being a business owner and also as being a woman business owner early on? Well, I mean, there are statistics that are out there that says startups, doesn't matter what you know um, kind of businesses, they have 50% chance of failure in the first year and then half of that in the second year. So we know the odds are kind of stacked against in terms of the success and, and many things go into that. So that's one thing. So it's, you got to have the passion, you got to have a problem that you're solving, you've done the research and you're going at it full force. Um, so there are a number of challenges to be a business owner, period, uh, and trying to live something from ground up and build it and being successful. And as you continue to grow the business, they're going to be continuing, uh, you know, there's going to be different kind of challenges along the way. You know, how you grow, where you grow, who you hire, what kind of agreements you have in place, what kind of investors do you get, how do you exit, all of those things factor in, right? Um, what markets do you go after, what products you roll out, what services, all of those things. So it's a constant um, sort of journey that you have to be active. It's not something that you go passively on. In terms of being a woman business owner, I mean, there's statistics out there that basically says only four, almost 5% of Fortune 500 CEOs and 2% of S&P 500 um, CEOs are female. And that That's number- That's crazy to me. <laughs> it is. And what is sad, Leah, on top of that, is that that number is shrinking globally. Right. I was going to say it hasn't moved very much. It has, it's not moving in the right direction. Yeah. So, um, and, and there are many reasons. I mean, there are studies that have been done into sort of unpacking the reason behind that. And there are many reasons, whether it's lack of opportunity. It clearly is not because of leadership capability of mm -hmm. women. There's Harvard study that indicates, I think recently was completed, that basically measured on so many variables of leadership, women actually did very well, and in some instances did better than men. Now, I'm not trying to say that, you know, um, female C CEOs are always better than men, but I'm just trying to say that it's not because of internal skills or lack of leadership. Correct, yeah. That the statistics uh, is the 4% and 2% uh, that we just talked about. Mm -hmm. um, but so there are challenges. So, you know, as you mentioned, yeah, investment banking, or as in your role, financial advisory, it's male-dominated industry. And so, yes, you, you 
come across that. It comes with a, a little bit of a headwind sometimes when you might come across some unconscious biases, maybe. Um, although I, I would say that things have changed and things are a lot better than they used to be back in the day, but, but you still get some headwind sometimes. And so you just have to take those challenges into opportunities and try to work with it. Um, and, and I think that's what women are really good at. Um, I think you do that in personal life. You do that in many facets of your life. That just becomes another thing to do so yeah um, in the business life and I know this this statistic isn't relevant to you because I don't know that you were looking to raise funds um, when you started your business but I know fundraising for women and um, I believe something like three percent they get three percent of low. private equity actually funds contributed to them which that is kind of crazy too when you think about it because something's off there. Absolutely. So if you take a look at the venture capital and private equity going in and backing women, women owned uh, businesses, it's low, statistically low. Um, and, and so, yeah, that, that fact is there. On a flip side, there are successful uh, women who are trying to form funds focused on backing women, women entrepreneurs. So it's statistics like that that's driving some women to also try to help fix that. Mm -hmm. And I applaud that. And I think that's great. So yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah. And I, so tell, tell me a little bit, because I know when we were um, prepping for this, um, you had talked a little bit about there are some opportunities for women specifically in your space. So talk to me a little bit about those. Well, being a woman or a business owner, uh, depending on you know, actually for any number of industries, if you get certified as a woman um, business owner and an entity, there are diversity programs that are available at corporations, as well as if you are serving the federal government, there are specific contract opportunities and vehicle available to women-owned businesses. And so there are a number of opportunities to pursue. Sometimes people feel like, okay, well, if you're in federal government contracting and you're a woman CEO or business owner, you know, getting that certification and going after women-owned set-aside you know, opportunities is a great way to jumpstart, which by the way, I would say then you need to sort of plan on diversifying and growing out of that set aside, but that's a whole different conversation. But if you are serving the private sector, sometimes people forget that there are diversity programs, the Fortune 500, what have you, they do have programs specially for diversifying their supply chain. Hmm. And and knowing what those opportunities are and, and taking advantage of those is important. I mean, I know folks, um, good friends of mine, that their business you know, solely focuses on raising that awareness for women and having programs and solutions for them to how A, get qualified as a woman business owner um, and entity, and then, as, and then figuring out where the front door for those big organizations are so that you can go knock on those doors and get those opportunities. Again, not solely to focus on that, but as a mechanism to really ignite your growth and open up uh, the doors that you may possibly uh, you know, have not had the opportunity to, to open. Yeah, I think that's very interesting. I mean, I think most people, especially in this area and the DC metro area, think that there's only an advantage to having a, a woman as the business owner for public credits. But I think it's very interesting that you pointed out that there are lots of private uh, sponsorship for women business own owners as well. Um, so that's definitely good to know. And so just changing gears a little bit here. One issue I know women always struggle with is finding work life balance. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, how do you find work life balance and, and stay focused given everything that you're doing? 
first of all, is there such a thing as work life balance? <laughs> I think I think it's a goal we're all pursuing. We have varying degrees of success right. uh, <laughs> achieving it. And I'm not sure. I mean, at different stages of my life, I think I've had uh, different you know success rates with that. Right. Um, and that also brings me to another um, uh, good point, and that is you know, in conversation with other fellow women business owners, um, CEOs, I, I was talking about the same thing. And one of the things that came up is, look, um, as a women business owner, you'll find this more often that the business is in line with the life stage that the woman is in. Whereas for, uh, you know, for a, for a man, it's sort of regardless, meaning uh, a CEO or an entrepreneur or a business owner that's 20 years old, male, running a company, there's really no difference between that and a 30-year-old and 40-year-old. Whereas a 20-year-old woman running a business is different than a 30-year-old woman that may have two kids or three kids or whatever. So it's a little life stage, um, sort of, you, you can't ignore that into mm-hmm. the whole equation or then you may have grown kids who have gone to college and and so now you have more time on your hand but life um sort of work balance is difficult i mean i try but at the end of the day let's face it i mean when you have your own business it's not a nine to five mm-hmm. it, it's like 24 7 and and so trying to put some parameters in place to try to you know balance so that you can actually remain healthy while you're working 60 or 70 hours a week where you have a workout or or you know if your family actually knows you when you walk through the front door (laughs) um you know so there's a lot of of balances that you need to do so you got to have reminders for yourself and you have some parameters um and and i i was talking to a friend and one of the key things that um she said and i I remember is that you got to have some non-negotiables and you can put different things on those lists, right? It's like, okay, I refuse to work, you know, on, you know, Sunday afternoon or something like that. Mm-hmm. Whatever, whatever that happens to be. I'm, right. I'm not saying that's necessarily mine, but it just depends. And so it is important to have that because then you want to be successful in the long run. And the other thing that I think an advice I got many years ago, and that is if you work yourself to death and you're so in it, it's so up close that sometimes you miss the big picture. So you do need to have some time where you sit back and you reflect on your business, however way you need to do that mm-hmm. and whenever you need to do that. So you need to have a little bit of a balance to be able to have a little bit of a fresh perspective when you are looking at your own business, where you're constantly grinding. And, and you know, we're workaholics. You know, if you start your own business, you know, you're working as many hours as possible you can get to try to do that so you just got to have some reminders for yourself or some touchstones to be able to balance what else is important in your life yeah you know what is your non-negotiables and and um as as my friend put it and and also i mean you know they could grow and shrink in terms of how many you have or what you have in terms of it um and then try to strive for that balance i think it's important for creativity as you are trying to think about strategy and how to grow your company Company and all of that and then obviously then you know the the kind of culture that you set in your company in terms of a leader then that kind of um, follows as well the other employees follow that yeah I like that the the term of non-negotiables I think I have that with uh, like about the hour hour and a half that I get with my son every evening because exactly. you know by the time you pick them up and uh, get home and then eat and then you know you have a little bit of time before you put them down and so yeah that time is definitely a non non-negotiable for Same me to here. spend yeah so but then I tell you after he goes to bed then I'm back at it <laughs> <laughs> and you know I know and that may go a little late I mean so uh, you know 
Yeah. But sometimes you also take some time for yourself, hopefully, too. Exactly. Like yeah. Gym or whatever else it is that will give you some stress relief as exactly. well. Exactly. So, okay, good. So, you know, last question here, looking back at starting your business, what advice would you give yourself or someone else that's maybe just thinking about getting started? Many things, but one thing that I would highlight to the top or bubble to the top is do your research. I mean, we, like you sort of touched on that as well. And that is we could all see a problem, but how do you go about solving it? Do your research in terms of figuring out what is really the problem? Because as an advisor, I would come across many other business owners, uh, you know, or who are at earlier stages. Sometimes it is a solution looking for a problem, you know, so you don't want that. But once you find like a problem, that. a solution looking for a problem. We, we, we used to call it a hammer looking for a nail kind of business. Um, you know, so uh, that doesn't really work out. So once you find a problem, identify a problem in the marketplace, or you find a gap and something that you're passionate about, do your research, do your homework before you get started, right. um, and and strategize about that. Talk to folks who've been in that business ten steps ahead of you, what have you, and 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 do that. Yeah. Um, once once you do that then I think then you need a little bit of leap of faith to jump in and take the first step mm -hmm. um, I think MLK had a great line which I don't remember very clearly but essentially was to the effect of you know take the leap of faith take the first step you might not know where the staircase is uh, heading to, mm -hmm. uh, but you got to get on that first step. And yeah, so it's the same. That's so true. It's it's true, yeah. and it, it will be a roller coaster ride. It is not, you know, all the fantastic stories that we hear. It's all <laughs> success all the all the time. It's not like that. Right. It would be the high moments and low moments, and it would be lonely moments and fantastic moments. And and but it's if it's something that you're passionate about and you have a plan of, of attack for it, then that's something that's going to definitely increase your chances for success and then to be successful. And also, if someone's thinking about starting a business, they should come talk to you because you can, you know, get their <laughs> their business plan in place and have them thinking about their uh, liquidity event and their succession strategy. And that's going to increase their chances. Uh, absolutely. Awesome. Well, as always, pleasure speaking with you, Sarah. And thanks for all your insight today. Thank you. It was a pleasure to be here. And thank you so much for having me on here. Hightower Bethesda is a group of investment professionals registered with Hightower Securities LLC, member FINRA and SIPC, and with Hightower Advisors LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities LLC. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors LLC. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities. No investment process is free of risk and there is no guarantee that the investment process or the investment opportunities referenced herein will be profitable. Past performance is not indicative of current or future performance and is not a guarantee. The investment opportunities referenced herein may not be suitable for all investors. All data and information referenced herein are from sources believed to be reliable. Any opinions, news, research, analysis, prices, or other information contained in this research is provided as general market commentary. It does not constitute investment advice. Hightower Bethesda and Hightower shall not in any way be liable for claims and make no expressed or implied representations or warranties as to the accuracy or completeness of the data and other information. 
or for statements or errors contained in or omissions from the obtained data and information referenced herein. The data and information are provided as of the date referenced. Such data and information are subject to change without notice. This document was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed are solely those of Hightower Bethesda and do not represent those of Hightower Advisors LLC or any of its affiliates.